This episode of the Fabulous Learning Nerds is sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTIs, counselor, and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. Hey, gang. We know you're creating some great programs out there, but does your work stick the landing? That's the topic of this week's episode as we discuss methods to improve the lasting impact of your learnings. Dan is back, and we have a very special announcement for the show. So get ready for another great episode. They are the Fabulous Learning Nerds. Because if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the Fabulous Learning Nerds. Scott and Dan are making it lots of fun. The best ideas that you've ever heard. So everybody spread the word. They're going to keep you with turning the Fabulous Learning Nerds. Hey everybody, welcome back to another fantastic, amazing episode of your Fabulous Learning Nerds. My name is Scott Schutte, I'm your host, and with me, as always, you love him, he's back this week, Dan Coonrod. Dan the man. Oh yeah. How you doing, Dan? <laughs> I'm doing good. Is it as always? I feel bad. I missed last week. Yeah, whatever. You were having a great time. I was. It was you fantastic. Were, I, did, did, you have, <laughs> did you have a good time observing learning last week? Uh, so actually, and this is something that like I would love to bring back up. I really did like uh, the experience being in the field, connecting with some folks. I've got so many stories to share and tell. Uh, that's probably for another time, another day. But yes, it was super valuable. Yeah, having and and drinking every night. You know, I am not a, a big drinker. Uh, that that does happen, but man, I turn into a pumpkin at like nine thirty. I'm like, uh. I'm done. Good night, all. Yeah, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying one minute of it. You're having that great time out there with your fan club, drinking, having an awesome time. That's great. But we did have someone hanging out. And, and you know what, Dan? Um, I was this close to replacing you because she did such a great job. And what I decided to do instead was um, you and I have been talking about the necessity of a third voice. And I'm like, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and uh, make uh, Miss Abby Dawson uh, an official honorary nerd. And um, so we're going to introduce her as our third voice, which should be here uh, a lot. So if you guys like Abby, great. If you don't like Abby, you can email us at learningnerdscast at gmail.com. But hey, folks, here she is, Abby Dawson. Abby. Number three, officially here. No, number one in our hearts. <laughs> number one, Abby Dawson. Can I ask a super important question? Maybe. Why is her drop better than mine? Just asking. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you, you don't like your drop? I mean, my drop's fine, but like um, that I, drop you, was banging. It was banging. It's pretty exciting. Uh, but, yeah. you know. I have more of your drop, Dan. I'm so afraid. Dan the man. He's the s***. 
There you go. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. man. I love my job. <laughs> okay, all right. What Dan doesn't know, what Dan doesn't know is the ver uh, is the uh, magnitude and the length that I will go to embarrass him, and how that drop will evolve over time. I'm which so is great. afraid. I'm so yeah, afraid. This is what right you now. get when you complain about the work and the money I've spent in this fabulous <laughs> show. Well, I got to rouse you guys now that Dan's back a little bit about an episode that I'm I wasn't part of because I. Got such a kick listening to the uh, Glenn Brumley training fails episode. Uh-huh. You guys went on what was probably a 15 minute tangent talking about the function and importance of parking lot. And I couldn't help myself but giggle the whole time thinking the irony of them going on a 15 minute tangent talking about parking lots. It was beautiful. It was fantastic. And because I hope that. We did parking lot the parking <laughs> lot. Right. Is that what you're trying to get at? That's right. And I hope the other listeners were just as tickled as I was because I it was the best part of that entire episode. You know, people I don't think. know how to use a parking lot, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and parking lot that Raz for the next time we get Glenn on this show. And we can debate that. How's that? That sounds good. Does that sound good? All right, great. Uh do you have anything else you want to razz us about, Abby? I'll let you know as we go. So far, that's it. Yeah, so far, that's it? Okay, all right. Just going to play it fast and loose with the razzing. <laughs> right? Okay, all right. Well, hey, folks, let's go ahead and um, without further ado, let's uh, dive right into the topic of the week, shall we? All right, it's time for our topic of the week. And today, the three of us, we're going to be talking about making learning stick. Sticky learning, learning that actually has value, learning that people remember and change behaviors from, you know, kind of what uh, we all want, right? So, Mr. Coonrod, you're back. You said you had some really interesting um, scientific neurological stuff to lay as a baseline. So, why don't you? Lay your knowledge on us, sir, when it comes to making learning stick. Absolutely. So, like, making learning stick is, like, super important. Uh, I think we were joking about this before we hit the record button. But, like, if you're not worried about that, you might as well just wheel the TV in, put in the videotape, and head out of the room and just, like, let it go. Our brains are, like, two to three pounds of fat. And they're lazy. Like, super super lazy if you don't build with the intent of somebody learning and memorizing they're not going to do it out of the goodness of their heart it's not because they're bad people it's just because our brains aren't built to like want to grab on and hold on to stuff that isn't valuable to us and let's face it a lot of times in, in our world the stuff we're teaching it is valuable but if we don't describe why it's valuable, nobody's going to go out of their way to be like, oh, this would be valuable to me until they needed to know it. And then, of course, it's gone. by then. Yeah, no, no, I, I totally agree. We've, we've got to be intentional with their learning. And uh, if, if we don't, if we don't have that value up front, I, I think people will disengage. Abby, I know you had some thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, we are lazy. We're lazy in our brains. We're lazy in how we approach learning in general. Um, We've 
all sat through like how many years of bad learning in school and um, all different kinds of workplace learnings. So I think there are a lot of reasons that we're likely to walk into a training already disengaged. Um, it's just a big challenge to overcome. Um, I think that lazy brain, the best way to, I found to overcome it is to add some with them. And if you aren't familiar with that term, it's, it's just abbreviated uh, what's in it for me. So making people care or not making them care, but giving them a reason to care about what you're about to put in front of them. I think that helps a lot. Yeah, if you don't have the value, you don't have the with them up front, I, you know, your people aren't going to engage at all, right? Um, and I think that's so important. When I was doing some um, work this week, helping other people design learnings, right? So the demand for learning outweighs our ability to create it. So I'm like, hey, you got to have the value up front. So when you create your outline, look, put your value statement up front, the what's in it for me. And it was so interesting because one person turned in their outline and, you know, God bless them, trying hard. What's the value? Why are we here? Well, they're here because they're required to learn about this. And that's not a really good value statement. Why don't you talk a little <laughs> bit about, you know, what, what they're going to get out of, out of the training? Well, it's true. They're required to be here. Well, that's a topic for another day, too. But I, you, that's so important. Like, if you're not starting out with value around why we want to do it or i like to say it's relevancy it, man i can't tell you uh relevancy is so important like hey we want to teach this well is it relevant uh even if it's really something cool if it's not relevant if i'm never going to use it or if it's not important to what i'm going to do there's no value there's no with them you know <laughs> we have better things to do so that that's fantastic dan what other um what other things should be we be aware of when it comes to uh, learning stickiness so like if you're just passing through if you're just existing in a moment your retention in that space your retention of just what's happening in any given moment is like one percent by the time you hit the 48 hour so as you get to like two days later 99 percent of that moment is gone the only way you can prevent that is if you tell somebody, I'm going to ask you about this later. Scott, shot from the hip. What did you have for dinner two nights ago? Quick, like your job depends on it. I can't remember. No. No. I honestly can't remember. I, I know what I had for dinner tonight, and then I know what I had dinner last night. I think it was Chipotle, but I really don't want to talk about that. <laughs> See, and that's a prime example. That's something that you do probably about the same time, roughly, every day, all day. Well, not all day, but every day, all the time. You eat food. You're eating food. That's something that happens. You eat dinner. I'm not asking you to like tell me about this weird one time or reach back a month ago and tell me what your Sunday was like. What you have for dinner two nights ago? As you guys are listening out in the audience, think about that. How quick does it take you to realize and remember what you had for dinner two nights ago? Like, I can get there, but man, I got to sit, and I got to think about it, and I'm reaching, and it's, like, I can get, like, 70% certain that I knew what I had for dinner two nights ago. And, like, my memory's not the best. It's definitely not the worst. Okay, so listen, I'm going to have to come back right at you and ask a question. So my question is, if, Dan, if I were to tell you that, hey, 
remembering what you had for dinner on a Tuesday was important. And I gave you some time to reflect on how delicious and fattening and maybe how poor a choice you made for dinner eating Chipotle was. Do you think you could uh, remember it? So I think that brings up an interesting point. And something uh, in one of the studies I was reading calls out that learners who were told they would be tested, their retention shoots through the roof. They're not even, and it's not even building in the test. It's not even building in a quiz. It's not even actually testing them. But telling people, I'm going to ask you about this later on, brings their retention way up. Well, you know that that's the key part of any introduction, right? That's the yes. key part of the bore, right? You're familiar with bore, right? Yeah. Okay. Abby, you're familiar with bore? I'm not. Tell me bore. Tell me more about bore. We should have an entire <laughs> show on bore, really. It's just an acronym. It's uh, value, objectives, agenda, application, which is what Dan's talking about, and review. And so, you know, the um, according to Gagne... Oh, wow, I'm whipping, I'm whipping, laying Ooh, down some serious knowledge here, but according to Gagne's theories, right? So the introduction is one of the most important things we do in any learning. And so laying out those things, we already talked about value, right? We, and now we're talking a little bit about application. And so long as I do all those things, the, my uh, ability to transfer knowledge and change behavior goes up dramatically, which is why I'm floored when I work with, facilitators some incredibly good that don't understand that and that's where that merging of, of instructional design and good facilitation comes together because you can be a great facilitator and not a great id person and vice versa so at any rate application key how am i going to be tested what do you expect from me today fantastic stuff dan yeah i think it, it reminds me again of glenn uh brumley with his training fails where you know, if he'd come into a room and not told those folks he was training, especially when he was training in the firehouse, these things will save your life. They will help you save other people's lives. That got their attention, right? Is there better with them? Than yeah. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is going to save your life. Um, and Scott, you talked about training those guys who installed fire, uh, fire alarms and starting off with how incredibly important that work was and what the outcomes meant. The challenge is how do you get that same kind of impact when you're talking about why you should pay attention to how to use a point of sale system. So it's not always as clean and cut uh, as a, this is going to save a life or somebody else's life. But that idea, I think, translates really well. I don't necessarily know that I, I would disagree with you. I would, I would challenge you to say, like, it doesn't have to be life changing in order for it to have impact. Oh, I I totally agree. I just think you may have to uh, flex a little more to help someone understand the value of paying attention to a point of sale system training. I was going to say, I will say in anything, there's inspiration. And for me, inspiration is like the key to building a good with them is I, I can say like, hey, do this or you won't have a job. And that seems cool. Not really. That seems like a good whiff them, but it's not. Because at that point, I'm right. just, I'm, I'm relying on fear and, and it, it's laziness. But instead of I'm like, hey, listen, this point of sale system is super important for you and it's super important for your customer. Your customer's going to come in. They're not going to have a lot of time. And every minute you waste trying to figure out how to process that sale is a minute that they're away from their home, their family, their lives. 
is a minute that you're away from the rest of your job, the rest of your duties, the rest of the things you can be doing to help people. Because hopefully the majority of people who are in the industry are wanting a paycheck, obviously, but also are wanting to help people, wanting to build good experiences. Yeah, I think that's true. I think everyone wants to sell something, do something, service in a way that helps somebody. Otherwise, it just, it feels a little empty. It feels very transactional, whatever you're doing. Well, in any any instructor-led training ILT environment, you have the opportunity to really uh, create a a WIFM that meets the needs of your audience, right? So instead of, hey, I'm going to tell you why this is important, like we can create discussion around the ideas, like you can come in there with a good idea of, I believe that this is what's important to my audience, but if they come up with the answer on their own, that's the most powerful thing in the, in the world, oh, right? Yeah. So asking leading yeah. questions to help people get to the answer that you want, but in their head, it's their answer, right? So that's, that's really powerful stuff. And now I'm in, now I'm hooked in, just like any magician gets me um, to believe that what is going on stage is real and once i bought in then it doesn't really matter what that person does for the rest of the show because i'm in right yep i think that's next level that's you talk about good facilitators good and you know designers that's next level someone who can get create that experience that self-discovery that's not that's not easy to do those people are valuable we spend a lot of time talking a little bit about the intro and the value and the with them and um, application, you know, all those things that, to prepare our, our learners to learn. What are some other things that we could do to um, ensure that that experience actually sticks, that it sticks with them, that we, we get long-lasting results? You know, I, I would say, and I'll probably have to explain this, but work to surprise your audience. Well, help me understand what you mean by that, Daniel. So our brains are prediction engines. That's why they're there. They're there there to say, like, that is dangerous. That is not dangerous. You can take that step. Don't step there. That's probably hot. Don't touch that. That's probably cool. It's okay. And so anytime you surprise your audience, the brain doesn't like that. It's bad. It hates it. It doesn't want that to happen. And so it's going to drop a bunch of stuff, dopamine, one of them, to basically say, oh, something went wrong. That dopamine helps create that feeling of, oh, this is a good experience. This is a good moment. This is something I need to engage and pay attention with. And I think a lot of times, like, we get in the habit of building content. And I think trainers help overcome this because it's a human element and there's that unknown. But, like, if we're just talking, like, computer-based trainings or just things that you're interacting with on a screen or on a phone, without that aha moment, that spark of joy, that surprise... You just start going one, two, three, click, one, two, three, click, one, so on and so forth. And your brain just goes, cool, I got this. I solved for it. I'm good. I don't need to worry about anything else. Fair enough. So uh, building discovery into what you're, uh, what you're uh, teaching, those yeah. discovery moments. Yeah. I think that's, that's really great. Um, Abby, what do you think? I wonder, like... How much of that discovery is discovering what you do and don't know? I think we we go into things a lot of times thinking like, I can figure this out. I can do it. Like this over bravado confidence that um, maybe we're too good for training or too smart <laughs> for training. 
Um, and I think that having the right little surprises to remind you, maybe you're not as good as you think, or maybe you didn't do as well as you thought. I think that does help ground people and give them an appreciation for maybe I do need a little more help. Maybe I should be paying better attention. Maybe I need to go back over and retake that module. <laughs> Possibly. Or, you know, we could flip everything on its head too, right? So there are certain expectations that we have when we walk into um, any kind of presentation or any kind of opportunity to learn. And if you, if you have the time to build in that surprise moment right up front and just flip the whole experience on its head so I don't know what's coming and I'm going to learn regardless. Um, I think that's a fantastic thing to do. Escape rooms do this really, really well. Like I walk into an escape room, which is an amazing playground for learning, by the way. I just think it's absolutely fantastic playground for learning. And I'm in the, I'm in this deep, dark dungeon and there's, there's uh, zombies that are, uh, that are on the doorstep and I got 30 minutes to get out of here. Go. Uh, incredible amounts of learning that take place in that moment that only really matter to if we take time for reflection. So thoughts on that, just kind of turning everything upside down. Uh, first off, I'd like to talk about uh, escape rooms as learning environments. That's fantastic. Uh, I never <laughs> thought about that, but the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, yeah, I love that idea. That's awesome. goes back to that whole like, Purposely building surprise, purposely trying to build aha moments, uh, asking everybody to like put them on pressure. Like, hey, you have to solve this, or else you'll have the shame of knowing you didn't escape. <laughs> there is shame in that. Yeah. Have, you, have either of you done an escape room? I have not. Oh yeah. What? I have not. I have no. not. What I a beautiful not. analogy! And you haven't done an escape room, <laughs> Scott. It's a great analogy. I know all of. About them, so but I just haven't done one. That does, that doesn't mean that I can't appreciate. So Dan, did you escape from your escape room? Oh yeah, of course. What Not did you I'm do? Smart, but because the people I was with are smart. Okay, great. <laughs> what did you do after you escaped the escape room? Oh, we talked about it. We laughed. We had a great time. We reminisced. We've talked about that escape room experience several times. I did it with my team. It was amazing. That, that okay. So you did it with your learning team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Here's the million dollar question, Daniel. Uh huh. Right? And whether or not you get a free t shirt from me is. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. Did you talk about what you learned? Man, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'd love to say yes. I'd love to, like, oh, of course we did. But I'm going to say no, we didn't. And I know why. I have the noble excuse, but uh, it, it's a miss. And you're 100 percent right. Like, I and listen. I, I if I had gone through an escape room, I uh, I would probably do the same thing. Like, if we won party time, have a beer. That was great. Remember when so and so dropped the key down the the sewer drain, and we had to go find. We would be talking all about those experiences. But what an opportunity to learn. And you know, with your team, what a great opportunity, not just to learn about, what, hey, what do we learn through all this, the processes and the things we can discover while we're going through it, but what do we learn about each other? What do we learn about this? This person's a great leader. This person's awesome at math. This person has no real value on the team whatsoever, and we probably should get rid of this person, right? So, I'm, <laughs> you know, all those things that we have the opportunity to learn, my, my whole point is that through the art of story and through the art of unique experiences that we can create long lasting learning moments 
that have real relevancy if we take the time to actually, you know, reflect, which I think is crucial. And I don't believe that we do enough time reflecting on what we learned. I don't, re- I, re- I, I said Chipotle because it's a funny thing. I don't know if I had Chipotle on Tuesday. But I guarantee you, if you asked me to reflect about it, I would have wondered why I had Chipotle on Tuesday, but I, I would have remembered it as well. And 100%. Scott, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Adam. What do you what do you see as a good reflection um, period? Like, is it an amount of time? Is it just an unstructured conversation? Um, how does someone execute reflection really well and effectively? Okay, so I okay. So first thing we have to admit is that we have to build in time for reflection in what we're doing, and nine times out of ten we don't. Nine times the the onus and the pressure to get all the content in supersedes lots of stuff. And so I know that you've got pressure to get as much content in, and I get that. Don't let it supersede the opportunity for practice, and don't let it supersede the opportunity for for uh, good reflections. Build that time in. Build time after the class too for reflection. Right, come back to it. So for me, I believe that that. The, the of course the best time is you know right after you've laid down all the things that you wanted them to learn did we you know we're going back to those things that we promised at the beginning the objectives like hey here's what i said we we're going to learn did we actually learn them great uh, and then we go back to what daniel talked about which is you know application hey what's one thing that like i love to build in this question i think it's really simple and easy like what's one thing that you learned today that you're going to apply to your job or to your life from now on? What did you learn that you're gonna that you're gonna take and what are you gonna do differently because of it? I don't care what you're training, that's a fantastic question. How to bake cakes. Hey, what did you learn today? I learned that chocolate cakes are my favorite and I'm gonna make them more often. Yeah, no, I agree. I you know, you talk about building in that reflection time, and I think in our modern learning landscape, we do, it all boils down to like three things. There's more steps in this. This is an oversimplification, but it's remembering, application, understanding. And we do a fantastic job, for the most part, of helping people to remember and helping people to apply. That's why we have jobs. It's why we're professionals. Yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. But where we fail is that understanding step. And that's because that understanding step requires exactly what you're talking about. Like, I need you to stop. I'm, no more data input. No more stuff coming in. I need you to stop, pause, and need you to reflect on what I am saying and what it means to you and what you will do with that in the future. And I think, and I feel, so these are, these are squishy words. Take these with giant grains of salt that this has to do so much with the amazing turnover that we see in so many industries. Because when you don't understand why you're doing something, your frustration goes through the roof. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing that I would add on to that too, from an understanding perspective, as we go back and look at reflection, like, you know, the perfect optimal time is right during class. Like I'm fresh. I learned. It's great. The people that, and the experience that I remember the most are the ones that, that, provide even more time for reflection and you know post learning reflection is incredibly powerful like a week later you get an email hey you know just a little reminder are you using what you said 
you were going to do, right? Or have uh, we used to, we had a little trick where we uh, wrote notes to ourselves. You ever done that trick? No. Oh, it's fantastic. You get a sheet of paper and you get an envelope and you're going to write what, uh, what, uh, what you're going to do differently, right? And you put it in a, um, you, you address the envelope and you hand it into the instructor. And then the instructor takes those things and holds on to them for like oh, a week or two or whatever, and then mails those letters back to the participant after the fact. So you've got post-learning reflection, amazing, powerful stuff. Here's a letter I wrote to myself that I gave to somebody that I completely forgot about. And it came to me in the United States post office, right? <laughs> and, uh, and I open it up and I go, oh my gosh, this is important. An incredibly powerful, easy thing that will cost just a couple bucks to do uh, from post-learning uh, reflection, and it's really powerful. Yeah, man. I like that. Yeah. And the other thing that I would say just about reflection time, too, just to be really, really careful about how much time we allow for learning to take place to begin with, um, what's the maximum amount of time we should allow for you know, discussion, activity, learning in any given activity or any given event? I didn't know? know we were going to be asked about this later. Nobody set that expectation. Well, why yeah. is an expectation for you? <laughs> My understanding is that the brain, here's, here's how I look at it. The brain at about 90 minutes begins to shut down. Like you have a 90 minute bucket that you could pour stuff into. And then anything past 90 minutes, the brain just kind of goes, yeah, I need a break. Right? So real important to build breaks in, real important to be aware of that 90 minutes. I... I like 60. If I'm going to do an ILT, if I'm going to have in-person instruction, even virtual instruction, I don't want to go north of 60 if I can help it. Because I know between that 60 and 90 mark, people start to get antsy. And then my effectiveness and my ability to make learning stick goes right down the tubes. See, I, I love that because we're talking about this. And I know everybody has their own different sweet spot. Like for me, everything gets built in 20-minute blocks. Oh, that's fantastic. Far, that's even better. As far as I'm concerned, you get 20 minutes. Like, I might build a, a training, and it might last an hour, but I promise you we are not talking about the same thing for an hour. We are talking about this, and then I'm going to give you a five-minute conversation and segue to the next thing, and then another five-minute conversation and segue to the next thing, or the wrap-up, and we're done. But, like, I, I think an hour on one subject, I'm a learner. I'm a learning professional. I might start considering a nap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for I think sure. About, I think about TV shows. Like, I can sit down and watch a 20, 25-minute show. No big deal. I don't need to make sure, like, I've got something to drink or I don't need to go check my email before I sit down. If I'm going to sit down and watch an hour, depending on the show, I might be exhausted after that show. Like, I can't yeah. watch any more than an hour of, like, a TV drama. And then if we're going to go watch a Marvel movie in the theater... I've got to have something to drink. I've got to have a snack. I, you've got to go in prepared because it's a big ask to make somebody sit through an hour and a half, two hour long meeting. And I think if, if it makes sense for something that is absolutely entertainment, why wouldn't that ask be as serious for a lesson? So, you know, one of the things that we learned this last year because of COVID, we couldn't get together for the big kickoff meeting where everybody gets into town and they're all in the big, big ballroom. And you got a thousand people getting everybody sick, right? So that <laughs> didn't happen. So they had to do it virtually. And I'm going to tell you straight up, I loved it. 
because due to the fact that the pressure to get all that content in because I only get these uh, amount of people in that room for a certain amount of time because that pressure was not there. They did a couple things. One was they spread it out because they knew after about an hour or two of going through this stuff that where's my head? All the work I didn't get done today is in my head. So I'm going to give you a couple hours to do that and then we'll come back. So that was great. And the other thing that it did is it killed the fluff. Like if it wasn't important and it wasn't relevant, I don't care who you are. I don't care how big you think you are or how funny you think you are on stage. If it's not relevant to the KPIs of the organization or our audience, it was out. And in a but in a live event where I've got to have some fluff, right? Because I got to fill time. So let's go ahead and put so and so and let them talk about their favorite monkey. You know what I'm saying? I mean. <laughs> That's why I'm not kidding. Those were out. So I hope, my, my hope is that we can learn from that. You could still apply all of that in a live event because we're all coming back next year. We're all going to come back and get together next year. That'll happen. Can we apply the same learnings? Can we take, I mean, what a great opportunity to learn. There's so many learnings that I've, I've had this last year. I can't even begin to count, but yeah, that's I one love, of them. I love that example. And I think I've mentioned this before, but the toughest lesson I had to learn as an instructional designer was what not to include. Because the fear of like missing something and not putting something important on a slide drove me to be a terrible instructional designer for the longest time. And finally, like taking that breath and being like, okay, you know what? I'm going to give you two points and I'm just going to, I don't have to hope. I know. Almost all of my learners are going to build the third point, connecting those two points on the own, on their own. And you're talking great, great example with fluff and like all this other stuff. Like, okay, I only get this much time. Go. Yeah. And you know, your guest Lisa Wallace that we that you had a couple weeks ago, she did a great job talking about making really good quality training, taking the time to decide what you really need, why you need it how to put it together so that it was actually really valuable. And that, that makes it sticky. If it's something that actually impacts somebody, that they actually get some learning out of, that they, they come out going, this was better than last year's, that's huge. You can't make enough of that. <laughs> um, so I really liked her points on that. Um, when I was a project manager in a training group, one of the things I always fought for was when people would come to me and say, we're, we're still having problems with this, with this. I think we need additional training on it. My ask was always, can we make the existing training better instead of making more? Let's, let's always try and make something that's of better value, that serves us better instead of just adding additional. And then people will have more trust in it. They'll rely on it. They'll come back to it. Love that. Love, I love that perspective. And I love how you tied it back to trust because it does as, as, we build these learner pools, this population of learners. If I come back and I'm like, hey, last experience could have been better. We heard your feedback, so we made it better. If, they, if our learners trust us, that's another level of stickiness that's built in. They're like, oh, no, hey, these guys are looking out for us. These guys are, gonna, are, are really trying to build good stuff. Yep, 100%. All great things. Hey, listen, I want to wrap up our discussion with one other thought that I think is just really, really important. 
for me, and I think about learning stickiness, learning that's going to last for a little bit, or for a long time, we hope, right? Life-changing stuff. Like, I can't not talk about practice. Like, we have to build in that time, not only during the, the learning itself, but post-learning for the learner, our audience, to actually practice so that we can go back and, uh, and get better. Going back to your food analogy, Daniel, if, if, if I was being asked to always remember what I had to eat every day, if that was my practice, if that was the expectation, guess what? Just like driving a car, it becomes super easy and, and I don't even have to think about it. You can call me up and say, hey, what'd you have for dinner on uh, March 3rd or Wednesday? I would know because I remembered it every night and it was something that we practiced. Yeah. Thoughts on practice. Mm -hmm. I think one of the places where people fall into trouble with practice is making it a right or a wrong instead of a growth opportunity. So it shouldn't be a test. It should be, let's give you an opportunity to grow. Well, um, quizzes are part of practice, right? And I think your, your idea of growing is really important. The, the one thing I, I heard this this morning, so it's really timely, like the challenge was don't call it a quiz. Like don't call it a test because there's these negative connotations with quizzes and, and, and testing. And yet they're a big part of practice. They're a big part of our ability to remember and change. Call them practice. Call, you know, everybody hates role play. Don't call it a role play. <laughs> Although role play is really powerful. I love role play. Everybody hates role play. Don't call it role play. Call it a skill practice or, you know, uh, an audition or something. Is you find, find ways to talk about those things in a, in a different way. And I think you'll have different results. I, I love that. I know in my space right now, one of our big pushes, one of our core fundamental experiences is purposely built to happen in two parts. I give you the basics, and then we tell you, go out there and mess stuff up. Go out there, go try it, go practice, go do it. And then you're going to come back in a week or two weeks, and we're going to tell you the whys. We're going to tell you the other half of the stuff. You're going to come back in. First off, every person we talk to loves that experience. The, things that, the thing that we heard that sticks with us and we've heard from multiple people is, Man, I felt like you didn't abandon us. Like you talk about trust and you talk about like, hey, like go practice and come back. And then talk about like stickiness and making you understand. I gave you all of this stuff and then I threw you out, not to the wolves, but sort of kind I did. And then like as you come back, you're like, oh man, there's so much stuff I forgot. And now all of that learning has value. It didn't have any value until you were out there trying to talk to somebody about whatever this was and this process and this thing and do your job. But now you come back and now when the trainer's like, hey, I got some important things to say, man, you can watch. Everybody's attention is wrapped. They are there. They are focused. Those are some mm -hmm. of our most powerful, useful sessions because I didn't have to tell you how much value there was because I let you go out and then when you came back, you were hungry for it because you're like, there's so much I don't know. It's like, that's okay. We're, we're going to come back. We're going to spend the first part of this refreshing and remembering over the stuff we covered. So that way you've got it. And then we're going to go talk about the whys. And we're going to do some reflection and some deeper understanding on how this process works. And yeah, practice is key, man. 
Yeah. They got to go do all those things we talked about. They got to go like have those discovery moments, those unexpected things. They had a chance to go out and figure out what, what do I care about? What is my WIFM that I'm going to look for in these yeah. trainings? Um, so yeah, I completely agree. Hey, I'm going to put my facilitator hat on as we kind of wrap up this segment. Great segment. Great discussion. And uh, I'm going to practice uh, one of the things that I, I believe in. We're going to practice um, knowledge retention and, and reflection. So, uh, Abby, what's, uh, what's one aha moment you had from our discussion? And uh, how are you going to apply it moving forward? Um, Vorum? Is that what you guys called it? I'm going to go look it up after this bore <laughs> yeah a-a-r we'll have a whole show on it abby <laughs> <laughs> good i can't wait i'm gonna go look it up i i love hearing terms that i've not heard before for training so i kind of okay. worked so out you're just it. gonna look it up that's it so that i can help with the next episode that we're gonna do on it obviously <laughs> okay <laughs> all right and not embarrass myself okay daniel <laughs> You know, uh, I love that you brought up the escape game as like a learning thing. And as soon as you said it, like, hey, you know, I was like, oh man, Scott's gonna bust me over this, but he's so right. Like, yeah, man, like that was such a great missed opportunity. Like, I'm, I'm gonna talk about it with my team later on, and they're all gonna go like, oh man. So yeah, yeah, I uh. I love this notion, and Abby, you brought it up, around learning as growth opportunities. Like, we are built as human beings to learn from our failures. It's okay to build failure into what we're doing as a growth moment. Like, make put the Kobayashi Maru scenario in your trainings. Build something impossible a no-win situation into what we're doing with the intent that we can all get together and say it's okay and learn from it. I just love that. I, I, I love the idea that learning at its core is all about growth. And as human beings, if we don't, there's only one moment when I'm going to stop growing and I'm not ready for that moment yet. So continue to grow. I think that's fantastic. Great discussion, guys. Hey, if uh, you liked what we had to talk about or you have ideas on how you can make learning sticky and last for a long time, please email us at learningnerdscast at gmail.com. And now it's time for our Leadership Minute. Time for Coach Shooty's Leadership Minute. We're going to do a little bit different thing. I'm going to include Abby and Daniel in my Leadership Minute. Abby? Yes? Have you ever been in a room where you really knew what the right answer was, but the other person across from you or persons across from you weren't there yet? Has that ever happened to you? It might be happening right now. It might be <laughs> happening right now. <laughs> okay. All right. In that moment, it's important for us to, you know, do the right thing, but it's also really important for us to continue to build on relationships and maintain self-esteem. Daniel, would you agree that that's correct? Oh, yeah. All right. 100%. So I'm going to lay four words on you that will change your life. These are words that I have figured out and they work every time. When I'm pretty sure that 
we're going in the wrong direction. And I'm pretty sure that if we can just get our people on the same track, and I'm going to put my ego to the side just a little bit. I'm going to ask these four, uh, this question using these four words. Would it make sense? Would it make sense? Yeah, four words right there. Would it make sense? Beautiful, wonderful thing to ask because it's non-threatening. It gets people to think about stuff. It gets uh, my audience or the person to actually defend where they're at. Um, and it also provides detached space for me to learn because I may be wrong or I may have the opportunity to learn something. So would it make sense? Fantastic way to uh, help get discussions back on track, kick ego out of the room. And I tell you, I swear to God, it'll work wonders for you. Hey, would this make sense if we did this? Hmm. At any rate, that's, uh, that's my leadership minute. All right, hey, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up, and we're going to let our newest nerd go ahead and do that. Abby, could you spend some time telling uh, our audience how they could participate with us? Well, of course, you can always hit subscribe from wherever you're listening to your podcast. You can also email us at learningnerdscast at gmail.com. We want to hear all of your questions, join the discussion, tell us if you're happy I'm on the podcast, or... Maybe I should take the whole thing over myself. I don't know. Just tell us. Just email us. Let us know. <laughs> you can also like our Facebook page at Learning Nerds, or you can check us out on Instagram at Fab Learning Nerds. Thank you, Miss Dawson. Uh, again, great job. Thanks for uh, being here. Uh, we love it. It's great. Hey, folks, that's going to be it for us tonight. Listen, quick reminder, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. Share it with your friends. Email us at learningnerdscast at gmail.com. Let us know what you like. Send us some cheap shots. That'd be great. And don't forget our Facebook page, at Learning Nerds, and you can check out our new swag. Go ahead and show how much love you have for us by wearing a T-shirt with Dan's face on it. And with that, I'm Scott. I'm Dan. I'm Abby. And we're your fabulous learning nerds, and we are out. Thanks for listening to the Fabulous Learning Nerds. You know, there are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention. Meet with teachers make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment of offerings. If you're, if you're thinking of giving it a try, if you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.